Wow, there is something really special happening here where we are just grabbing handfuls of characters all over the place. <laughs> ah, the whole system's falling apart. From Jordan High School in Jordan, Minnesota, this is Draft Picks. Today's episode, Coming of Age Flicks. Welcome to Draft Picks. I am your host, Tony Reitberg. Joining me today are Lisa Leary. Lisa, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Excellent, thank you for being here. And Jeff Visner. Jeff, how are you this afternoon? I'm fabulous. Thanks for having me, Mr. Reitberg. Or Tony, whichever way we want to go. I know, we are just taking down all the walls of formality here. You know what, we're just three people just having conversations about movies. We are in homecoming season here at Jordan High School. Uh, We are releasing this podcast on the Monday of homecoming week, and so... Uh, you know, the rites of passage are in the air, the homecoming dance, the homecoming games, the homecoming dress-up days, lots of rites of passage, a lot of coming of age happening around here at Jordan High School, so we thought it'd be a good time to jump in and talk about some coming of age movies. So, before we get into our draft of the greatest coming of age movie ensembles of all time, I wanted to take a couple minutes and talk about the genre itself, the coming of age movie. So, um, without spoiling your picks, I just kind of wanted to get into uh, the question of what is the defining coming-of-age movie of your youth? I can tell you my original one because I took it off my list. Mine was, I was thinking my girl because I cried and cried and I felt the death of someone <laughs> else and how that changes you. And then as I watched it as a grown-up, it, it was okay, but the feelings weren't there. Yes, my I, that was a phenomenon, that movie when that came out. And by the way, yeah, I mean, we, this is a good time to bring up spoilers. You very deftly worked around the spoiler of My Girl. So hey, go out and check out My Girl. It's a... Uh... <laughs> It's, it's not the coming-of-age movie that, uh, that Signora thought it was uh, when she was a kid, but you know what? It's still a great movie. Uh, Jeff, what was the uh, defining coming-of-age movie when you were young? It's got to be Breakfast Club. You know, I mean, all of the John Hughes movies, but Breakfast Club, I think, is one of those that everybody resonated with because we all have been through high school, and we have all, we've seen all those different cliques or groups. So I mm-hmm. think that's Breakfast Club would be mine. For me, the movie that stands out in my mind, I think, is Stand By Me, um, which I'm pretty sure I had on VHS because I remember watching it and I remember like where the commercial breaks were and I remember where it was obvious they were subbing out the swearing, dubbing in something else, you know? And so because I know I had that on VHS, I just watched that all the time. Uh, the main character is a, an aspiring writer. I was an aspiring writer when I was a kid, you know, and, and also I just thought the four actors uh, playing the, the boys in the, in the movie were just incredible. Um, but yeah, I agree with, with your two picks as well, My Girl and uh, Breakfast Club and all the John Hughes movies. You know, we grew up in a ripe, a ripe era for uh, the coming-of-age movie. Can you watch a coming-of-age movie from, like, the 2000s, or has the genre passed you by, Jeff? Well, I think one unique thing for me is that when I was coaching college hockey, we'd always take bus trips, and so I was able to see a whole new generation of ah. those types of movies, you mm-hmm. know, from different eras while I was coaching, because that would be, you know, I was in my 30s and 40s, and they were still 18, 19, 20 years old, so I got to see some of those movies. They probably don't resonate as strong, and I don't remember as many characters from them, Yeah, probably because I only watched them once or twice versus, you know, a hundred times mm-hmm. in some of these movies. Lisa, what do you think? I would say it's I, they resonate more as you are going through the experience as you watch them. Mm-hmm. Now that I've watched more since I have had children, if they're watching them and I watch along with them, 
I will watch them with them, but I don't seek them out mm-hmm. as yeah. much. I'm yeah. with you. If yeah. I can even add one thing, having a high school age child, we watched like all the John Hughes movies, and I did not realize how uh, risque they were <laughs> watching them through the eyes of your child versus mm-hmm. watching them um, as your you know as a teenager, yeah. and you're like, huh. Interesting. So just, you know, just and the flip that side of that is as a kid, I didn't realize how risque they were either because I was like, wow, they're acting funny. Why are they acting so funny? Why is he using that funny voice? And then you get a little older and you go, oh, that's why. Yes. Now I totally get it, right? <laughs> you know, one of the most interesting questions about this and getting ready for this podcast has been the question of what is a coming of age movie? Because we've mentioned some movies, Lisa and I have had some conversations where we're talking about a movie and someone's like, that's not a coming of age movie. So in your mind, how do we define this genre? How do you know when you are watching a coming of age movie? I would say you have some youth, typically teenagers or that tween right in there. Um, and there's some sort of experience that, that alters their way of thinking and or brings on a new point of view or they start to understand themselves a little bit better. Okay. Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it pretty well in the head there. I think the only time I thought of that would be a coming-of-age movie that I joked with you about, Tony, was uh, Old School. Mm-hmm. And it was a coming-of-age movie for uh, an adult who's in maybe not even really a midlife crisis, but in a crisis of some type. But uh, for the most part, I would say the same thing. It's a teenager going through some kind of teenage malady of some kind and then finding their way out and there's some like moment that kind of hits them you know i agree with you about like things like old school where it's like an adult who's still like in a child's mentality because i do think there are a lot of movies about adults who are just in arrested development and they just they need to grow up but they're like 30 and i have a couple of those on my on my lists as well i should point out because we are an educational institution uh my Harmon and holman handbook to literature defines the coming-of-age story as a Bildungsroman, which is a German word meaning education novel. And it hits on exactly what you were talking about, Lisa, a novel, or in this case a movie, that deals with the development of a young person, which you said, usually from adolescence through maturity. So I think we nailed it. I think we got it. We are talking about the Bildungsromans. I don't speak German. So, it often talks about the fact that um, in my Harmon and Holman handbook to literature, the Bildungsromans are often autobiographical. You don't have to share anything you don't want to share, but if your life were a coming-of-age movie from when you were a kid, is there a moment you can point to, a story, a threshold that you crossed that you'd be willing to share for the whole internet that uh, would be the basis of your coming-of-age movie? You know, I'm not going to go way into the story, but sometimes you do silly things as a child, and then two years later the whole school learns about it. And then they tease you and give you a nickname, mm. and you have to decide, am I going to cry about it, or am I going to join in the teasing? And I joined in the teasing, so I have a pretty thick skin about a lot of stuff because of that seventh grade experience. I, oh, so, that's a good title, The Seventh Grade Experience. I like that. That's the movie. That sounds great. And also, no spoilers again. We got a theme no going spoilers. on. We got a theme going on from Lisa. You know, a couple of movies that I watched a lot as a child that I would like to think of myself because of my hockey background, and that is I really loved Youngblood. And then Vision Quest, or another sports movie that kind of had that, you know, I'm the underdog and I'm going to make it out of this, you know. Mm-hmm. So some mm-hmm. of those kinds of things. So I don't really have any one that's like, oh, my gosh, that's me. Sure. You know. When I was thinking about this question, um, I found myself realizing really what I was thinking of was what were the most incredible moments of my childhood you know it was like 
what's the thing that I would like people to have seen? The time I did this awesome thing. That's my coming of age moment. But really, as I was thinking about it, I was like, that's not really coming of age. That's just me being like a big fish in a little pond and thinking I was awesome. So the more I was digging into it, I was like, you know, I was thinking about the fact that we moved a lot when I was a kid. And I think that I had a hard time connecting with communities. And then finally, like, you know, I found that home and I was growing up in Houston, Minnesota. And I got my best friend who I'm going to be hanging out with this weekend. That's kind of what I was thinking about is maybe the story of the kid who just moved from place to place and then finally found a home. All right, we're going to move on into the uh, the main event here, which is talking about the draft we are about to have. So we are going to draft the ultimate coming-of-age movie. For those listening, we have defined a coming-of-age movie as a movie about youth or youthfulness and having some moment of... Uh, of realization, growth, maturity, things like that. We have seven categories that we're all gonna be drafting in. We can pick our picks in any order of the seven. The seven categories we have are the misfit, which might be the oddball character, the outcast, the unpopular kid, the wallflower, something like that. We have the popular or perfect kid, which can either be a genuinely perfect kid or the kid who everyone thinks is popular and is perfect, but actually maybe isn't uh, as popular as we think. We got the wild child or the bully. We have the loyal friend or the mentor figure, the evil authority figure, the rite of passage scene, that, that scene in which the person becomes who they are. And then finally, the wild card uh, is the seventh category. The wild card being just something else from the genre that is essential to, uh, to the craft of making a coming of age film. What we are going to do is we're gonna randomize the draft order to figure out who is going to draft first. And the list is going to be Tony with the first pick. I have never had the first pick before, and I'm very oh. nervous about it. Oh. The second pick is going to go to Lisa, and the third pick is going to go to Jeff. Now, this is a snake draft, which means that uh, the order will reverse in the second round. So I will have the first pick in the first round. I will have the last pick in the second round, and back and forth, back and forth we go. So that is where we are at. It is time to begin the coming-of-age draft. I was really hoping I wasn't going to get the first overall pick because there's a lot of pressure on the overall pick, the first overall pick, and uh, I don't deal well with pressure. But I think I know where I'm going to go with my first overall pick. It's appropriate that I'm going to go to the movie The Breakfast Club, and in the movie Breakfast Club, I'm going to draft the position of Wild Child, and the character I'm going to draft for the first overall is the character of John Bender. Hmm played by Judd Nelson in the movie Breakfast Club. Before I talk about my pick, Lisa, what do you think of my first overall pick? I think, I think that's a, a solid pick. Okay. That's a solid pick. All right. A little bit of hesitation there, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get into it as we'll we keep going. I think she was probably wondering why you'd go with so obvious of a first-round pick. I know. Well, I, guess, you know. I guess it's like drafting you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence in the first round by whoever, Jacksonville yeah. or whoever. You know, like, it's an obvious pick. Yeah, just give the but people it's a solid, want. really good pick. Yeah. I like John Bender because um, when I was a kid and we watched this movie a lot, my mom, who I thought would think, oh, he's such a bad kid, my mom saw a lot of good in John Bender, and she understood his rough home life. And I remember talking to her about um, all the nuances of this character and how he seemed so tough on the outside, but that it was just sort of a... Um, just a, a, a scared little kid who just needed someone to help him out. And uh, so I think John Bender, played by Judd Nelson, uh, an iconic uh, character. And uh, that's my first pick. So we move on to pick number two, which is Lisa's pick. Lisa, take it away. All right. I'm going to the rite of passage scene because I feel like that's the, the real heart of coming of age. And, and I'm going to pull up Stand By Me. You mentioned that mm -hmm. before, Tony. 
um, because that scene at the end when you have Keith or Sutherland's character Ace and the older boys coming in and going to claim the body of the boy who was hit by the train and Gordy's says no you're not doing that takes out a gun and threatens it he has reached his limit he has had it this moment he is taking control of his life and no one else is going to do that that's the the scene for me that sticks out the most incredible pick i think oh. that is one of the most awesome scenes in a in a coming of age ever yes absolutely jeff we're going to the end of round one what do you got i think i'm going to dive in with um my misfit nerd or outcast type of character and I'm gonna caveat it can I pick a person who has multiple characters in the 80s in these movies <laughs> oh boy well, here's what I do oh boy so I'm going with Ted from 16 candles mm. which is Michael Anthony Hall but I want to give a, a shout out to Michael Anthony Hall as also Gary Wallace in the movie weird science mm -hmm. so Michael Anthony Hall developed this character of kind of this quirky weird, odd character throughout many of the John Hughes movies in the, in the early 80s there. But uh, Ted was just somebody that was wanting love, you know, and wanting to meet the girls and be popular. And, um, but he was really just an outcast. <laughs> he wasn't, didn't fit into society. But his character throughout 16 Candles would always made me laugh and, and I think I'm all for that humor types of stuff. So. so we're just making this up as we go along. Lisa, what do you think? Can he can he claim, can he just get the corner, the monopoly on uh, Anthony Michael Hall? You know, I think you can because it's kind okay. of the same character in multiple yeah. <laughs> in multiple places. I'm surprised you didn't name Brian Johnson as well from The Breakfast Club because he's uh, he's a little bit of a misfit himself, oh. you know. I mean, Anthony Michael Hall. I didn't want to get Hall. greedy. Well, I'm just saying, you know, yes. I mean, if you're going to go for the gold, go for the gold <laughs> here, you know. So the, the collected works of Anthony Michael Hall kind of coming off the board here uh, at the end of round one. All right, well, this is just simmering already. We're going to move into round two, which means Jeff has the first pick of round two. Jeff, go ahead and take it away. Well, I don't want to be predictable and take all the same characters from all the same John Hughes movies. So I'm going to go a little bit different. Some people would argue whether Karate Kid is a coming-of-age movie, but I would say that it is. Okay. So I'm going to go Wild Child, and I'm going with Johnny Law, William Zabka, which is now, you know, for those new newbies who haven't seen all the Karate Kid movies, could go back and watch Cobra Kai on Netflix and see Johnny Law as a an adult. But I just, he is the epitome of just a mean kid who does mean things throughout the movie, and so he was my wild child and bad boy kind of mean person. So we have a little bit of, uh, of draft picks history here because Johnny Law slash William Zabka is now the first twice drafted character in the history of the podcast because he was in the sports flicks yeah. uh, episode as well, drafted by Mr. Urbanic, I believe. And so, <laughs> boy, William Zabka just <laughs> racking up the wins here at, here at Draft Picks. We are a pro-William Zabka organization. All right, the wild child here. Also, a little bit of heart in him at the end when he starts to realize my coach is pushing me in a way that I shouldn't go, you know, and he's got that that lack of, uh, of sureness about what the right thing to do is. So uh, a strong pick there from uh, Mr. Visner. Thank you very much. Moving to the second pick of the second round, we have Lisa on the board. All right, I'm going to go to the misfit category, and I feel like this collective group of the Goonies Whoa! represents all types of misfits. So I, I thought since they have their own name, they could count as their own collective person because they would, each yeah. bring their own their own struggle and challenge in there, and it's the 
the glory of the Goonies working together that makes that that movie work. Wow, there is something really special happening here where we are just grabbing handfuls of characters all over the place. <laughs> ah, the whole system's falling apart. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. And you know what? For my next pick, I am gonna, I'm just gonna take my rite of passage scene because it's a really important rite of passage scene to me and because rite of passage scenes are really important. Uh, for the rite of passage scene for my second round pick, I'm gonna go to the movie Dead Poet Society because at the end of Dead Poet Society, Ethan Hawke stands up on his desk in defiance of the teacher who told him to just sit down. He says, oh captain, my captain, and it is 13% of the reason why I'm sitting here at Jordan High School today because that movie changed my life and uh, really put me into uh, an understanding of the power of teaching, of education, of literature, and, uh, and it's just an incredible, incredible scene. I'm getting chills right now thinking about it. So for my rite of passage, I'm going with little Ethan Hawke leading the boys in Dead Poet Society to stand up on their desks and you know have this valediction for Robin Williams as he's walking away, which I will say my students have never ever done for me ever. Which I'm not saying they should, but I'm just saying they haven't. So Yet. I'm just putting Yet, that out Mr. there. Yet, Mr. Rydberg. Yet. What are our thoughts on Dead Poet Society and the end of it? Yes, that's the moment I think several teachers are like, oh, we want to be this impactful and have that that type of yeah. residence on. Yep. Residence. It's a very personal pick. I just didn't want anyone else getting it. And so sometimes you just have to go up there and get it. We're moving into the third round, and I have the first pick in the third round. And, uh, you know... I think I need to start getting some, uh, I think I need to start getting a little bit of firepower in here. So in the third round, I'm going to have the steal of the draft right now because I'm going to go to the category of perfect kid. And in my category of perfect kid, I am taking the icon of perfection in teen coming of age movies, a man named Ferris Bueller from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, a kid who everybody loves, the freshmen love him, the geeks, the dweebs, the whatever else the yeah. E. McClurg says, everybody loves Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Matthew Broderick is incredible. My perfect kid is gonna be Ferris Bueller from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. First one I've had to cross off that was on my list that yes. somebody else picked. <laughs> so it's first time somebody's been right yet today. There you go. Oh. Good, good job. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, we are talking about coming-of-age movies, and principals don't do very well in coming-of-age movies. So, you know, I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> I may have a couple down on the Oh, principals fingers. are all over my notes as well. My goodness, <laughs> what is up with principals? Yeah, I think I'm starting to understand it now. Yes. All right, we're in the middle of round three. Lisa, the pick is yours. You know, since we're talking about evil authority figures, I want to get it away from the principal, and I want to go with a horror coming-of-age flick, and I'm going to go with Carrie. Whoa! Carrie's oh. mother is about as... Evil and horrible and as you can get. Wow. Yes. I like it. There so. you go. The evil authority. Should we get a, a sound cue of all of us going, they're all going to laugh at you. We could. No? Am I alone <laughs> on that one? I guess I'm alone on that one, everybody. Maybe I'll cut that out for my trailer at the beginning of the episode. Carrie's mother, the evil authority, a haunting, haunting character. I saw the movie once. I never forgot it, but I never needed to see it again. Thank you very much, Lisa. We're finishing out round three with Jeff's pick. I think I'm going to go with my rite of passage scene. Okay. Then I think we'll all have our rite of passage scene done. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a shout out to, uh, to my wife too because we worked on this together and talked about things. And uh, this movie's aging. It's more of uh, my age and my wife's age here. But we're going to Greece. Oh. And we're going to Sandy, going to the party with Rizzo. And she's never drank before. And she drinks. 
and she doesn't have her ears pierced, and she gets her ears pierced, and then after she drinks too much, the inevitable throwing up from that. Oh boy! And that's a coming or a rite of passage scene. Not one I'm promoting. I'm not saying this is something <laughs> all kids should do while in high school. Even though you know Olivia Newton-John was 30 years old when she filmed that movie, but you know that's a whole other story. Uh, but Sandy going to the party. And, you know, that making her fit in, which is not, we're not promoting that again. We're not promoting. We're not promoting that, but it was a rite of passage scene that both my wife and I thought was uh, remarkable to us, you know, or, or memorable. I should say memorable. I understand. Remarkable. You know, we're all friends here. I thought a lot about Grease, and I was like, you know what, I don't know if I can think of a movie that's less coming of age than Grease, because this poor little sweet Sandy, who just gets corrupted by these ne'er-do-well kids, and then at the end of the movie, she's just like going away with this loser, oh my gosh. I don't know, I mean, I, I respect you and I wanna be friends, but I'm not a fan of Grease, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, but you know, I respect your opinion. And you're right, you know, she has some, some hard comeuppance in that scene, you're, you're absolutely right. But yeah, Grease was one that I said, you know what, I'm gonna put this over here, and that's gonna be all right, you know? Blame it on my wife. Blame it on your wife, I always do. All right. Or Hopefully. give credit. Give credit. Or to give the two credit. Of you. There you give go. Credit. And I know I've just, yeah, I've just destroyed myself by saying I don't like Greece, but you know that's all right. I'm just the feminist in me. We're gonna move into round four, and Jeff has the pick. Well, since it was uh, alluded to before about me being a principal and principals finding evil spots in multiple, multiple movies, mm -hmm. I'm gonna go with Dear Mr. Ed Rooney, the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and uh, Jeffrey Jones plays him so well as uh, he tries to figure out how to get Ferris. All right. And nobody wants him to catch Ferris, you know, because mm -hmm. they all love Ferris, as you alluded to in your popular Perfect Child pick. There you go. So I'm going with Ed Rooney. So I think Ed Rooney's a really interesting character because he starts out kind of doing the right thing. Like, he calls the mom, and he's like, he's been gone nine times. And it's like, I don't know. I, I think you're right that he is a pretty iconic evil character he goes too far i think with the whole home invasion part <laughs> you know but i think that's such a weird one because yeah it's like hey get this kid in school what are you doing you know so but yeah he does end up going pretty far so yes ed rooney uh very evil authority there thank you very much lisa middle of round four what you got all right i'm gonna go with my loyal friend or mentor mm -hmm. the loyal friend and i went with the mentor in the movie akila and the bee is about a young girl who participates in a spelling bee, the spelling scripts, bee, yeah. there we go, scripts. And so she meets Dr. Larrabee, who is played by Lawrence Fishburne, and mm. he is the prickliest character there is, and it is all business, but yet he cares deeply, and he um, has her read a quote from a Nelson Mandela speech about our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Mm, and I rewatched yeah. that scene the other day as, as Dr. Larrabee and Akilah are having this conversation and I started tearing up and then my next hour is coming in so I had to <laughs> get myself back together. But there is something about both his hardness and his, and his vulnerability in there or masking the vulnerability that he has in there that helps Akila reach the next level in her journey. Nice. Lawrence Fishburne, a great mentor actor. Also, I think about like The Matrix, you know, bringing Neo along, Keanu Reeves, you know, and just like sending him along. Also in uh, Boys in the Hood, which I have not oh. seen, but I know that he plays the iconic mentor character in that film as well. So let's all, let's all learn from Lawrence Fishburne. Coming to the end of round four, it is my turn. I'm gonna go ahead and close out the friend or mentor 
And this is another very personal and very literary mentor here. Uh, I'm going to go old school here. We're going to go all the way back to the 1960s. And I'm going to go ahead and take Gregory Peck as Atticus Finch in my mentor character. Atticus Finch is um, such a blessing in my career to be able to have taught To Kill a Mockingbird for so many years. But the thing about Gregory Peck and Atticus Finch is he's not just mentoring his kids, he's mentoring this whole town and he is trying so hard to get them to move past their racism, their bigotry, and just be human beings. And he fails throughout the book again and again and again and he just gets up and he keeps on moving. So my mentor is Atticus Finch, To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm going to have to watch that because I have not seen that. I'll lend it to you. It's All in right. black and white. So that's the end of round four. We're going to move into round five. And again, I have the pick. And so I have my misfit left. I have my evil authority left. And I have my wild card left. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take my evil authority. We're going to finish that one out. I'm going to go back to a well that I've already gone to. Well, actually, no, you know what? Hold on, hold on. Late, late moment decision here. I'm not going to go back to that well. I respect Principal Vernon from Breakfast Club. I respect him. I wish him well, but I'm gonna. I'm. I'm not gonna go there. Here's what I'm gonna do. For my evil authority, I'm gonna go to the movie Mean Girls, and I'm gonna draft Regina's mom, played by Amy Poehler. The thing about Regina's mom, played by Amy Poehler, is that she's not evil in that she hates her child or she wants her child to be miserable. But she does nothing. She is the anti-Atticus. She does nothing to raise her kid. She puts no boundaries up. She has no interest in teaching her kid a lesson. And her kid ends up getting hit by a bus or whatever. So um, that is going to be my pick for the, the evil of indifference, as uh, my hero Ellie Bazell would talk about. The evil authority figure being the hands-off, disinterested, just want to be the cool mom. Mom, played by Amy Poehler in Mean Girls. Good pick, Mr. Eidberg. Yes! That's all I wanted to hear all day. We're going to move on to Lisa and your pick for round five. You know, I'm going to just transition right from there. And since we're talking about Mean Girls, uh-oh, I'm going to put Regina George Ooh, in there as my bully. What a pick! So What a steal! Uh, she is. Really is. Yes. I hope we caught that sound of the vigorous scraping of the my, pen across the page. I already have my wild child, but I still am there just crossing that one off because that's a good one. So All right. I, I felt like, I don't know if boys experience this, but I know as a girl growing up, we all know who the mean girl is in a school or in a group or whatever setting. There is quite often one there. And so I think Regina George epitomizes that that was the bully you said, is yes, that right? Yes, I did. All right, the bully, just yes. just wanted to make sure because I see you also have perfect child there as well. And I was like, well, you know, I guess she. Uh, well, yeah. See, I, I was confused with her. It, if it I could should, go back if and If I forth. should have hey. her be my perfect child of of my appearance, but that's right. I went with her as the bully because. There you go. Too much and, credit. And again, because my hope in every episode is to have a very pretentious English teacher moment, we can also talk about the fact that Regina, the name Regina, means queen. <gasps> And she is the queen of the school. There you go. So Regina George, there we go. So deep, Mr. Edward. I tell you. I mean, I'd have never put that together. Well, you know what? I tell you, I just want to embarrass myself on these podcasts by saying (laughs) stuff like that. We're going to the end of round five with Jeff's pick. What do you got, sir? Well, I've got the loyal friend and mentor left. I've got the wild card. And I've got the popular or perfect child. Correct. So I'm going to go with the popular or perfect child, even though she's really not as we find out later. I'm going to go to Breakfast Club, Mm. and I'm going to go with Claire, played by Molly Ringwald, and how she 
you know, appears to have it all together. And it kind of ties in with what Lisa was talking about too. Most of the times these students in these shows are not perfect. You know, we look at them as perfect from the outside, but there's always something else bubbling underneath. And even as you talked about with your wild child for Breakfast Club also, you know, like there's always something else underneath. Mm -hmm. But um, she fits that stereotype of the perfect child and Mm-hmm. So I picked her. Now, Jeff, earlier you took the entire Anthony Michael Hall canon of coming of age movies. Yeah. Are you looking to do the same thing here with Molly Ringwald? Do you want to move on Sixteen, 16 Candles, Candles and uh, Pretty in Pink and all that, or are you are you good I'm, to go I'm with good Claire? Just right here. You're good. I didn't even think of that until you just mentioned. Well, it. You know, I'm here to open up opportunities for people. You do have to, you have two rounds left. You know, maybe I don't want to be selfish. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right. That's the end of round five. Moving into round six, it is your pick again, Jeff. Well, and I think I'm in categories that other people maybe haven't picked, or I feel really confident about my wild card and right. nobody picking any. I know of the wild card is going to be just a wild west coming yeah. up here. So I'm going to go with my loyal friend or mentor, and I'm going to go friend because everybody else went mentor, so I want to go a little bit different. Sure. So I'm going to stay in the John Hughes genre. I'm going to Pretty in Pink. Mm. And I'm going to John Cryer as Ducky. Ducky. Yeah, and just a guy who was so loyal to. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Molly you can just call her Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald. <laughs> yeah, it's that, Molly Ringwald. It's Molly Ringwald in that movie, but uh, how loyal he was to her and how he pined for her, but was still would put up with her wanting other people and still was there for her in every situation. Yeah. You know? The pining friend. Yeah, I think that's such a classic uh, sort of archetype. All right. Thank you very much. Lisa, round six. You have your perfect character and your wild card left. I'm going to go ahead and do my perfect kid as well. I needed a way to work this movie in. I needed to work in Man in the Moon, mm. um, which was Reese Witherspoon's debut um, movie in there. But in that movie, she has an older sister, Maureen, and she is she's the perfect older sister, and it's who um, Reese Witherspoon's character gets kind of sometimes kind of jealous of and stuff because she's very responsible. She gets good grades. She dates the right person. She's invited to things, and she's and she's kind too. So like. Guys want to date her, and girls want to be here, and she's just that perfect firstborn child. So I went with Maureen. Maureen. And I haven't seen Man on the Moon. I have not either. All right. So here at the end of round six, what I'm about to do is I'm about to go back to back with my last two picks. So I have whatever I want to get here. So I am going to start with my misfit. The misfit that I'm going to take is from the most recent movie that I think I'm drafting from. The misfit that I'm going to take is the character who's known by three names. He is known as Little, he's known as Chiron, and he's known as Black. And this is from the movie Moonlight, which came out a couple of years ago. Now, Moonlight is most famous because it's the movie that when La La Land won the Best Picture Oscar for about 10 seconds, and then they said, oh, whoops, it's not us, it's Moonlight. And then the Moonlight people came up and got their uh, Oscar for Best Picture. But I rewatched this movie, and it is one of the most haunting movies that you'll ever see. When we sit around and talk about coming-of-age movies, every sort of iconic conflict that goes along in these coming-of-age movies is multiplied by like a thousand in this film. You want to talk about like, I don't get along with my parents. It's there, and it's there in really harsh ways. You talk about, I'm in love with someone who is unattainable to me. It is there. You talk about the kids at school don't understand me. It's there. This poor kid who really 
has no chance in life. He has no chance in life until someone takes him under his wings, someone gives him some protection, and it happens in a series of scenes throughout his life. It's a devastating movie. It's going to be, spoiler alert, my movie recommendation, because it was so... It's just... It's not an easy watch, but it's... It is just an incredible story. And so Little slash Chiron slash Black is going to be my misfit from the movie Moonlight. Well, Lisa, have you seen that movie? I have not. I think you're pretty safe on that one. I, 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 I knew I would be. That's why I let it sit. <laughs> I let it sit. It's sort of, you know, it's my steal in the draft. All right, that means I'm free and clear for my wild card. So my wild card pick is something I'm going to call the cautionary tale character. And the cautionary tale character is the character played by Jerry O'Connell in Can't Hardly Wait, who comes back from college. He was the hottest guy in school, and he thought he was going to get all the women at college. He comes back to tell the one dude that, like, I fell flat on my face and I'm not cool anymore. The greatest example, perhaps, is Wedding Crashers, where Will Ferrell descends on the stairs as Chaz, and um, Owen Wilson realizes this is his future of just complete debauchery and awfulness and I like the cautionary tale character because I think the people who write these movies were the people in high school who were the misfits and they hated <laughs> they hated the popular kids in a lot of cases and I like the idea that they were like when I write a movie I'm gonna write about a popular kid who then later can't do anything in life because he's a big loser you know so I think in these movies every once in a while a person shows up who's like I had it all but then my life just kind of crumbled and so the cautionary tale character, again, can't hardly wait, Wedding Crashers, a couple other movies, that will be my wild card choice. All right. Lisa. And my wild card choice, my category is the best worst dance sequence in, in a coming of age film. And I went with Can't Buy Me Love mm. at the dance when Ronnie Miller, who is played by Patrick Dempsey, for most of you is known as McSteamy, from, no, McDreamy. I apologize. McDreamy oh, from boy. Grey's Anatomy. I'll, I'll edit that out because yes, that was a big mistake right there. That was a right big there. faux pas there. <laughs> but he goes from the nerd and he gets all transformed. And then to learn to dance, he has the TV on and the channel gets switched. And he learns the, the African anteater dance. Oh, and then right. soon in the middle of the movie, he gets the whole um, crowd to be doing this African anteater dance. And on the side are his two former nerd buddies who he has ditched, who's, who knows the dance that they are doing and yeah. and just laugh at the insanity of of his classmates. Excellent. Nice. I, yeah. That's a good I'm, I'm When you describe it, then I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that scene. And there are certain movies that I'm like, at some point this movie has to be brought up, you know? And so I'm glad we got to Can't Buy Me Love. Thank you very much. Lisa with the save right there. All right, the final oh. pick in the draft goes to Jeff. It's going to be your wild card pick. It is my wild card, and I'm I'm just struggling with a lot of different movies here. That there were so many iconic movies during this time. Um, can I do an asterisk to my wild card? I guess you, I can because you can do whatever you yeah. want. So it's not it's not my wild card, but I liked it. I just love is this an honorable mention? This is an honorable mention because we are going to do honorable mentions, so we can talk okay. about that too. Well, yeah. I'll wait for it then. Okay. So my wild card is a scene. And it's the scene from Goodwill Hunting mm. when they're at the bar, and Will, who is brilliant, but people don't think he's brilliant, he gets the girl's number and knocks on the window and says, How do you like them apples? Yes. One of my favorite scenes of all time. That is awesome. Like, as an underdog, per like you're like, Yeah. Yes. Show those rich yes. Boston people. I love what's it. Up. So, I love it. 
So, how do you like them apples? How do you like them apples? Which is a pretty good segue into the honorable mention, because I had a lot of Goodwill hunting on my list for oh. the coming-of-age story. I had Gotta Go See About a Girl at the end as a good rite of passage scene. Um, Robin Williams, of course, as the, as the mentor character. A lot of really good stuff there. Shout-out to Tom Cruise's whole early career, because he's up into, like, the 40s, playing like Jerry Maguire or whatever, and he's still got to grow up. And so he just made a whole career out of like, I'm just an immature man who has to learn how to be an adult. Shout out to Toy Story 4, which, or excuse me, Toy Story 3. Three. Oh. To Toy Story 3. You which, went there. W I went there. Oh. Which, it's not a coming of age movie in the totality of the film, but the last five-ish minutes, ten-ish minutes, are just incredible in terms of Andy becoming a man and i don't feel great about doing this but a quick shout out to travis shooting old yeller in old yeller as a rite of passage because as i was thinking about it i was like you know what the biggest rites of passage are when we just don't want to do something but it's the thing to do and as traumatizing as that scene is it's really it's really like this is when you sort of become a man or become an adult it's like i just gotta do what i gotta do and so those are a couple of uh, honorable mentions for me. Lisa, what honorable mentions need to be shouted out? You know, I'm going to say a little bit of Slumdog Millionaire. Ooh, there you go. Just because he was dealt a bad hand and, and the main character, he continues to, to stay relatively positive about that while his brother went the other way. And I do have to give two shouts to Disney for Mulan because when Mulan climbs that tower with the weights or that pole and she clips the weights, like, that's a empowering moment for me as when I was young and as a mother to two girls like go and I gotta also give it to Frozen 2 a little bit like that's a that's a good coming of age movie. Jeff what did we miss that we got to talk about? Well first I'd just like to say that I I think a lot of movies that you guys reference I haven't watched so I've got a lot I got a lot. That's why we do what things. we do yeah let's start watching movies. Because basically well number one again I'm older and then uh, I lean towards comedies so so one of my shout-outs is to McLovin. Yes. Just just because he got a fake ID and he was psyched. And then when they <laughs> looked at his ID, it's just McLovin. Mm -hmm. It just, I could watch that show, like just that scene, and it will make me laugh every time, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and then as I was thinking about that, then I think about the two characters that are the police officers, mm -hmm. and they also crack me up. Yep. And my other one that just maybe was uh, the dance scene at the end of Dirty Dancing mm. with Johnny and Baby. It's one of those, like, you know, iconic moments. And I thought maybe when you first were starting to talk about oh, a dance scene, yeah, I thought that's where right. you were going with that one. But you went with a better choice. I think your choice was outstanding. So Thank you very much. So let's just do a quick recap of each of our movies. So this is my movie. This is the ultimate coming-of-age movie. Uh, the ultimate coming-of-age movie for Tony stars Little as the little misfit kid who's got the hardest life in the world. And uh, somehow or another, Ferris Bueller comes by and, you know, like with Cameron, maybe inspires him to be uh, better in life. Meanwhile, John Bender is getting detention and Atticus Finch is probably trying to help him be a better person uh, in his life. A very John Bender move would be to stand on the desk and shout, Oh, Captain, my Captain, at Atticus. While some cautionary tale character maybe comes in and tells Bender, Hey, I was once like you and now I'm a big loser here, right? Meanwhile, uh, the evil authority, the mean girl's mom, uh, who's just going to let uh, maybe John, maybe that's John Bender's mom, just do whatever he wants, and he's got to learn he's got to have more structure in his life. That sounds like a pretty good movie, if you're asking me. Lisa's movie is about the Goonies, who are mentored by 
Lawrence Fishburne, uh, <laughs> uh, L- Dr. Larrabee and the Keelan and the Bee, uh, maybe running from Regina George, the bully who is bullying the Goonies, and Carrie's mother, who maybe Regina George turned out to be Regina George because of Carrie's mother. Uh, maybe Regina has a sister named Marine, who is the actual perfect sister. The Goonies all have a horrible dance scene. And it ends with the Goonies finding a dead body and not letting the bad boys, uh, the Regina George, walk off with the dead body. So that's okay. the story of, uh, what's it called? The Seventh Grade Experience? Is, there, that, there, is, there, is that the name of, of Lisa's movie? <laughs> Meanwhile, Jeff's movie is about the collected Anthony Michael Hall roles who are being beaten up day in, day out by Johnny Law and William Zabka and egged on by Ed Rooney, the evil principal. There's maybe some romance or something between Anthony Michael Hall and his detention buddy Claire, also mm-hmm. from The Breakfast Club, which would make Ducky very, very jealous yes, because, yes. of course, he's got to be a good guy. They have a party, and Claire gets very drunk. She throws up, yeah. so we got that going Ducky on there. Ducky holds her hair. Ducky yeah. holds her Ducky hair holds as hair. she's puking her guts out. <laughs> and then maybe Ducky, she realizes she's in love with Ducky. She walk, He walks up to Anthony Michael Hall at the end of the movie, slaps that piece of paper up on the window, and is like, so, how do you like them apples? apples. Nice. And there you go. So that, those are the three <laughs> movies. Before we go, um, I just wanted to get a movie recommendation from each of you. Like I said, my movie recommendation is Moonlight. Uh, Lisa, what's a movie recommendation for the listeners? Uh, I would say if you have to watch one, I would go with Stand By Me. Because you have drama and some humor and you can see yourself and others in, in lots of pieces of it. Jeff? Oh, this is, there's a lot of choices here. I'm going to give you my sensitive side. I haven't talked about this, this movie at all. But it's a movie that every time I watch it, no matter when it is, it will make me tear up. Um, only two movies do that. Hoosiers, mm. which isn't in our genre today. Or A Walk to Remember. Mm. Oh, a Walk wow. to Remember. Mandy Moore. That's yes. where it started, Mr. Yes. Visner. I mean, that is just, <laughs> that is just a, a fabulous movie that I just, I will, and every time it's on, I will watch it. Nice. Even though I know what's going to happen. And I think probably because I have a daughter, then you watch it from a different lens. But, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Jeff and Lisa for being guests on this episode. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at JHSCreative.com. And we have homecoming time happening right now. Principal Visitor, is there anything you need to say about homecoming? Let's just make good decisions. That's what I wrote down! That's what I wrote down! (laughs) 